Let me uh, break the tape on the first. Oh, that tape is greatly compromised. Hello and welcome to Locutors of Trek, Treckle Trunk. Where we, uh, we dig into the treckle trunk and see what we find. We could find toys. We could find comics, which is what we usually find. Yeah. And then uh, we talk about them. We read them. We talk about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. We are your hosts. We are your hosts, Plain Simple Tailors. Indeed. Locutors of Trek. Locutors of Trek, also known as Davin S9 and Dave. Oh, man. I'm going by Davin S9 for... Davin oh, S9. That's very nice. Yeah. Oh, well, man, you know, the S so works. Weird. My last name starts with yeah. an S. The whole that's thing. true. I think it was made for me. Wow. Yeah. That's true. We're here. This is Trickle Trunk episode five. And I hope everyone enjoyed Dave's intro about tape. Yes, we were alive when you were talking about <laughs> tape. Um, <laughs> I looked up and I saw the time <laughs> going. I thought they all heard me talking about tape being highly yeah. compromised. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about IDW's uh, Star Trek number two, Lower Decks number three, and mm -hmm. Star Trek Trill, though not in that order. Indeed. We're going to start with Lower Decks, I think. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is so, the third, uh, and as yeah, I learned right. just moments ago, third and final issue yeah. of uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, the comic series. Uh, this say. is like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit scattered right now. Cause I'm kind of shocked. I thought they would be running this for a while. Cause these are great stories. It's they're really great so, lower deck stories. Yeah. It seems so perfect. Like it seems so like it's flawless to compare it to the cartoon. Like you'd never know this right? wasn't just a transcription from one of the episodes, you know. The art style thing. translates so beautifully. Perfect. You know? So does the writing, except for you get the cool Ryan North style subtitles. Well, yeah. On the pages. Which Those are great fun. It fits the Lower deck style perfectly as well. It's also mm -hmm. tongue-in-cheek, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so I'm going to start a letter-writing campaign. You can all join me. Uh, let's write yeah, yeah. Ryan North and Chris Finoglio until they make more of these comics because they're amazing. So, spoiler yeah. alert, we probably liked this issue because the first two were great. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good issue. It. Um, so, uh, just a quick recap. They've gone to uh, a highly advanced planet, uh, discovered by accident that there are uh, the Kvantis and the somebody else's, yeah, the Yantayas yeah, uh, or something. We'll get their name right. Oh, the Yentoa. Yeah, yeah. Yentoa, that's right. Yeah. Um, and are in a bit of a, an imbroglio diplomatically there now. But up on... TNG style problem. Like oh, yeah. Very TNG French. style problem. Yeah, and right, harkens back to one of those classic conditions for membership in the Federation, right, which is a united planetary government. So, uh, really classic kind of a Star Trek tale that way. Meanwhile, up on the Cerritos, uh, the Lower Decks crew have been messing around on the holodeck and managed to confect a Dracula. Uh, like Bram Moriarty Stoker. style. Very uh... much. 
Wrong. He gives us a series of jokes at about the time that. of a yeah. power surge. You know, you're asking for it. Yeah, because this planet, of course, has a weird, weird atmosphere. Uh, They're all like warning Boimler that like it's going to be a problem. He's just like, no, no, don't worry. After the Moriarty thing, they set up all these extra protocols. And he's just like, and he's testing all these protocols, and they're all working. And then the power surge. Yeah. Of course, we have a real right. life Dracula, or at least he's a hologram. But you know, he's sent real life holodrama as a life. Yeah, though. yeah, that's right. So Ransom has issued them this challenge that they've got to figure out what to do with their Dracula because he's he's ascensioned. Uh so. That's where we left off. It looked like all was lost. So yes, and and they had found out that about the whole Yentoa Givanti dynamic. Like they had found out that. Well, or or am I jumping ahead? Well, they found out that that they one part of the planet lives in a kind of a um, non-technological. Uh, sort of agrarian like lifestyle. Century-ish or yeah, and or... the other half lives a very, very high-tech life. Um, and that the one side is sort of safeguarding this non-technological lifestyle of the other. So that's what they've discovered. And we open with, as we should, Captain's Log. Supplemental. I've convinced the Kvanti to stop firing on the Cerritos in exchange for willingly acceding to a binding Kvanti tribunal. So we open on uh, a lovely informing page, but also on a page with uh, the captain's dedication to diplomacy already firmly in place as like a basic premise of this story. That's where that's where uh, the captain's uh, yeah she's insistent. People keep is. giving her advice to the contrary, and she's just like, "No, we definitely have to figure out a way to work this out diplomatically." Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's sure this second contact situation can be salvaged in a way that's going to work for uh, for for all involved to benefit. Right? And Freeman is very starfleet. Yeah, it's true. It's so, the up here, and the back in orbit, we get a lovely view of the Kvanti spaceships. Yeah, they're cool. uh, they're kind of a they're kind of a nondescript design to some degree, but mm-hmm. uh, they're hulking, as you can see. And they almost look like little foxes or something. If you imagine those side wings as like whiskers, <laughs> they're like little foxes. Sure, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so back on board, they're they're trying to repair the ship, get everything back and going. Uh, Ransom's taking command and potentially doing knee thrusts. I'm not sure, although Tanowski thinks he's in trouble. Oh, he's doing he's uh, doing lunges. I think he may be doing lunges. Uh, uh, Ransom's classic. Yeah, his he's, dedication uh, to fitness is quite commendable. <laughs> he's he's literally like a CrossFit guy on a starship, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine him hanging up both heads. 
the 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 core strengthening ball in his office is, I think, my favorite feature we've seen for him so far. Uh, it's just <laughs> Picard has a fish tank. He has a core strengthening ball. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. He's probably got those gripper hand thingies that you use at his desk. <laughs> Oh, he definitely has those. I can't believe we haven't seen him with those yet. Or maybe we have. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe we have. I don't know. So, now we turn over to the holodeck where Dracula is trying to get the computer to be more helpful. It's programmed not to give him control of the ship. So it's firm on that. Not to really take his commands really much at all because he's a hologram is what it seems like. So, what if I ask you to tell me a mere tiny weakness? Access denied. Medium-sized? Access denied. Have you any other responses beyond access denied? Access denied. Uh, it's it's good dialogue. Good computer hologram dialogue. So, eventually, uh, Dracula summons up a table because he wants to flip a table because he's yeah. so mad. And this finally cool. gives him an idea. Great. He uh, says, no matter what I ask, I find myself denied. And without the knowledge of such machines as you two, wait. So he goes on a spree of getting the computer to tell him all about itself. He just gets it to educate him. Uh, Data. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? Uh now in the lower decks they're trying to figure out any way to help out the ship uh on their off time which is still going on because they were in the holodeck clearly. Uh But what they find is that the uh I'm just waving this around now. I'm trying to see around it. Um what they find eventually is that the uh, shields on these other ships. Much of their weaponry and everything is uh, works on different principles than they really mm-hmm. understand. But what they do find from taking measurements is that the shields scale up with the intensity of whatever's going to hit them. Yeah. Uh, they're not really sure what to make of this yet, but that's what they found. Uh, and then as they begin to try and uh, calculate scenarios, the computer time starts jumping up and up from 30 seconds to 1,835 seconds uh, as it goes along. So they figure out fairly quickly what can be using up all of this processing power except... Holiday. Dracula. <laughs> That's right. So they come and get Dracula, and we find in this lovely image Dracula in a very... Barclayan machine mm-hmm. over here. Yeah, we we've seen this on TNG before, and uh, yeah. Dracula is putting it to very good use. He's um, overmined Barclay. <laughs> yes, I am hacking at speeds faster than light itself. And now here, Ryan North makes a very interesting note here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he writes. You'd think there'd be downsides to the Federation routinely using a non-propulsive warp field around the computer cores to speed up processing. But that's that's super interesting. Yeah. Have we ever heard that before? I don't think so. I want to I maybe he's so much sense, right? But you know what? I'll bet you he's read by like 
linear time so much. Right? He's 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 probably read the technical manual for the Enterprise much more closely than I have, I suspect, in recent years. Probably. Maybe, maybe. Maybe he's got some inside details. Oh, that's true. That's true. But if he just made so, that up, that's genius. Indeed. So Dracula has them trapped in his realm now. The exit's locked, transporters scrambled, safeties are off, and he's in control. It all looks like it's going terribly wrong until Boimler, still wearing his cape, <laughs> he's all about makes uh, he's he's totally about that cape. Makes a wonderful suggestion, dude. Is that all you want? You can chug some Boimler's original B negative whenever you want, and I'm sure we can throw it together a mobile emitter in no time. Problem solved. Thank me later. And then they like point out, so it's like, dude, we can't just throw together a piece of 29th century technology. We can't just like make him a mobile news. There's only one. Indeed. And I think uh, they say I mean, like Starfleet has it under lock and key. Like, does the doctor even have it anymore? Like, I don't know. Let's see here. Uh, about that, I think. Right. Plus, there's only one mobile emitter, and it's from the future, and Starfleet barely knows how it works. Oh, okay. Yeah, barely knows how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so he does say he what he really wants to do is drink real blood. That's his big plan. For it, even he drank yep. other people's blood. That's right. Samantha's yeah. delicious, delicious blood. Although one of the yeah. things I like best about this issue, honestly, is Dracula's tasting notes for blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He tries them all out and he's just like he loves tendies. <laughs> I know. This, this, this copper finish. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> God, that would be terrible. We'll be like drinking pennies. <laughs> <laughs> I know it'd be really nasty. Copper finish. Mm. Uh, so they can't. When did Sam asked when did Star Trek oh. coming out? It, like they started. I don't know. It, there's a, there was some in the last year. Sure. Oh yeah, sure. Oh, in general, this oh, there's tons. There's a tons of backlog. You can go back and yeah, yeah. There's a lot of original series comics for sure. Yeah, I think we've reviewed some older stuff on the Q doors. Yeah, a couple of times, like the Gorn Crisis and a couple of those. Oh things. yeah, the Gorn. Yeah, yeah, the Gorn. Which Crisis. are more more recent, but still older comics. Yeah, ninety stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Ultimately, over the course of uh, these few pages, the, our heroes figure out that what Dracula really wants is 10 cubic centimeters yeah, not even much. of blood. Yeah. Minimum! Per day! Per day. Yeah. 10 cubic centimeters. Like no, that's like... It's yeah, it's like not you could lot. regenerate that every day. You could have one person give them that, and they could probably make that back in a day. Indeed. In fact, this is what Tendi immediately says Guys, we can manage that ourselves. And if it keeps yeah. them happy and unbloodlusted, even on my worst day, I got five liters of my stuff sloshing around, says Samantha. <laughs> right? So <laughs> the only person who's truly against this is Mariner because she says, No, we can't trust literal Dracula. Yeah, we can't trust. Uh, and they're just like, no, it's just like without the bloodlust, he's like just kind of a nice gentleman. <laughs> this is what he says. I am a gentleman, not a brute. Yeah. 
If you can yeah. give me what I want, then I can help you. Then I want to help you. So they're quite. Uh, she's still thinking it's a trick, but rightfully, but it's tracking. Boimler, Boimler makes the point again. We can trust him if we choose to, which is an interesting point. She says it's a I trick. Mean, we yes. can, <laughs> we can if we just choose to, Mariner. The beautiful thing here is the speech he makes. I'm no longer the person I was when we met, and that's partly because of you, isn't it? You didn't take me for who I was, but saw who I could be and helped me get there, and you forgave my mistakes. That's what Starfleet is, too. You know, it's a beautiful speech, and he actually makes a really wonderful point in the midst of this admittedly pretty bizarre scene. Uh Paul Mariner here says, so you're saying I affected you deeply. You're like, that's right. right. That's right. She's like, so uh, where is it? Uh, where does she say that? That's right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, pretty much this is all. I'm, I'm responsible for all of this, of course, right? Everything you do. Uh, in a non-egotistical way, right? Uh, <laughs> so, they're going to homebrew him up in a minute out of some coils and a computer and things like that. They pull out of the... funny workaround that you like think that almost makes mobile emitters almost not so useful, like or at least not necessary. They're like, why mm-hmm. can't we just strap a holographic emitter to something? Yeah. Well, that's basically a mobile emitter. It's just a bit bigger. But like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just huge. It's like almost the size of an exocomp. But uh, it... Um, yeah, right? Like, they can they can build a kind of a thing, but it's huge and clunky, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah it's, a, it's a lovely piece of engineering from uh, Samantha Rutherford. Uh, He's good. He's good. Indeed. Now, briefly, down on the surface, diplomacy has been going well enough that uh, Delani, the uh, sort of arch leader of the place, says, no, the tribunal is not without mercy. You may briefly talk to your crew to say goodbye. They're still intent on destroying them. Uh, Freeman says, clearly, do not return fire. This is their law. This is their world. We are going to do this diplomatically. Round some again. Hannibal Lecter mask. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, the number of people he kicked the tar out of in the last issue probably, true. you know, uh, gives them reasonably good reason for that. But yes, again, the Hannibal Lecter mask is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and it's very likely he tried to bite someone once he was restrained. Oh, I'm sure. If that's his only weapon left. Shax is going for it. <laughs> Um, so the ships, the, uh, Fonzie ships begin to attack the Cerritos. You know, Dave, I just got to say something since we're talking about shacks. Yeah. You honor the prophets with that pitch, Bradward. You're, you're honoring the prophets with your pitch. Bradward Boimler. He's a prophet's honorer. Um, so. 
here he comes out of the holodeck, our Dracula. He thanks them. Formler and Mariner, your bloods are as delicious as Rutherford's with distinct iron notes that linger on the palate. Thanks, I grew it myself, says Boimler. The note here is quite wonderful. I don't know if grow is the right word for blood, but excrete, while more accurate to what our bone marrow actually does, sounds way grosser. I just didn't want you to own a comic in which someone says, thanks, I excreted it myself. Thank me later. <laughs> Now that you own a comic in which this precisely is on the bottom of the page. Yes. <laughs> At least it's a subtext. Yes, that's right. So they're on an off shift right now. They have no battle stations to go to. And so they begin to try and work out what the plan is. Yeah. Eventually, our plot point from earlier thing. in the... That's yeah. right. The shields scale up according to the intensity. So they say... What about a really low-intensity thing? Oh, right, right, right. The opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just... Uh, and so Boimler like says, well, what are we going to... Like throwing exactly. like a baseball through it. Like... Exactly. What are we going to damage them with? A rock? Not that rock, my friends. A bat. Yeah. <laughs> says true. Dracula. So, their plan... The last thing. That's right. In. So they run out to try and throw him at it, and you get this beautiful spread panel page here. Uh, and, pretty and gorgeous. He's got a good arm. That is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty lovely. I like how tiny they are on the ship. It's all pretty lovely. Love when we get a shot that's almost like it's from the perspective of you standing on the hull of a ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And so they're coming out on the bottom by the deflector dish here, it looks like. Uh, they come on out. Tendi, it turns out, does have a good arm. And they fling their Dracula at the ship. Now here, this becomes lovely. Dracula, first of all, instructs the computer to turn off any pain sensors he might have. <laughs> but then decides, what about fire fingers to cut my way in and just decides to give himself random abilities yeah, because he's still in touch with the computer via subspace. Uh, <laughs> and then he explains on how like it's, it's okay. Dracula would totally know about uh, like heat cutting technology. Like, uh, yeah. Like a welding technology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. The note exactly. The blowtorch was yeah. invented in the 1700s. Yeah, the blowtorch. Precisely. Uh, which, of course, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula was written in the 1880s, 1890s, so all makes sense. Which, you know, is earlier for the blood... Er, not blood. The blow earlier blow for the blowtorch than I would have thought, yeah. I imagine it must have something with a bellows or something attached to it at the point, eh? Maybe. Mm. Uh, Maybe they so the, uh, Indeed. Know, some sort of a gas into a tube or something. I don't so in the middle of this, there's this one little panel here where Dracula goes up to one of the computer panels and does, as he calls it later, computer stuff. Uh, and this is helpful. He says, for see, I have discovered your secret. Now here is the twist and reveal. Yeah. Spoiler right over here. This is the big spoiler moment. Uh, because here we've yeah, got 
the layout of what's actually happened. The Yentoa, in fact, were the highly developed species. In fact, this is like a tiny replaying of yeah. the birth of the uh, mirror universe in a weird way. Crazy twist, but I love it. Like, yeah. I'm surprised this right. hasn't come up in Star Trek before. So the Yentoa were the advanced ones. They met uh, the Kvanti, who immediately subjugated them by violence and then dominated their species and uh, reduced them to Took their, their place, like essentially. Current, exactly. And any of them that showed signs of scientific brilliance, they simply kidnapped and transported away. Uh, and so have been I am holding all. their other half of the planet in a sort of artificially induced technological uh, uh, tutelage, you know? Uh, I think they sort of did an episode like that on Enterprise, hmm. but without the, the without the switcheroo, there was a the people. But well, sort of a switcheroo. There was a, like aliens kidnapped humans and subjugated them as labor, and then eventually the humans rose up and took their place, and then just started. Oh, subjugating. that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, yes. So. The uh, the Kvanti still think they have the upper hand because they say, well, nobody's going to learn this. You'll all be dead. Uh, however, Dracula is, of course, a clever hologram, and he's been sending everything back to Ransom, who's been simulcasting it to Starfleet headquarters. Now, there's no point killing them. The uh, mm -hmm. offer is rescinded. Uh, they won't be able to join Starfleet for generations at this point because of the damage they still need to undo on their world, essentially decolonizing and debrutalizing half their planet. Uh, and a uh, short time later, we see them uh, wandering down. Boimler's still sporting his cape. Loves that cape. Even on a dress uniform. Uh, well, why can't there be Starfleet issue capes? I would love one. I like that we see the Starfleet issued skirt show up here. You know, the skirt uniform that shows up here and earlier in the episode. Uh, on a lovely bearded ginger man. Uh, but here we learn that Dracula is not planning to stay with the Cerritos. Sadly, I would love to see Dracula on an episode. He's a super uh, likable character. I even just a message from him would be amazing. Uh, and as Ryan North points him. out, he's he's public domain, so why wouldn't you use Dracula? <laughs> exactly. Dracula, Winnie the Pooh, let's go for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no way. Disney definitely owns Winnie the Pooh, don't they? Oh, not wow. the original images. They own their oh. versions of the images and the characters they added, but the original stuff uh, is all out of copyright now. Uh, and the stuff people have done with it in the weeks since has been, you know, you know what the internet. Oh, is that why they could write the Tao of Pooh and put all that like artwork in that one? Oh, that was all licensed stuff. That was all licensed. Those are fun books, eh? The Tao of Pooh and the Day of Piglet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so anyway, back to Dracula. Uh, he's leaving Starfleet's emergent, he, uh, the, the Cerritos to join 
Starfleet's Emergency Holographic Academy. It's filled with sentient characters from fiction, all gathered to yeah. learn from, Voy uh, from Voyager's EMH. Some of them are even dating each other. I saw Sherlock Holmes kiss a Cthulhu on my call, Captain. He's like, I want that for me. <laughs> I want that for me. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that the know, EMH is now just like teaching other holograms. Though. That's, that's pretty great. I can only assume there's a course in opera. Uh, so yeah. And they uh, they head away. He compliments Tendi's blood. You know, it's uh, your green plasma's savory copper forward encounters with the palate are an endlessly nuanced delight. Uh, yeah. And finally, the captain makes him take his cape off. Yeah. And there was much rejoicing. Why are you still wearing that cape? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, yeah. So, good issue. Good issue. Good story. I wish there was more. Um, yeah, I would like to see to more, more of it happen. I would very much like to see more of it happen, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's got me really wanting Lower Decks to come back. Yeah, can't wait yeah. The next season. Yeah, That's not I enjoy. That just ended. <laughs> no, it'll, be a, it'll be a while yet. Nope, I like Ryan North's writing. Mm -hmm. uh, the art, of course, is fabulous. It's a great art style. It works well. Yeah. Uh, Headcanon or no, as we ask on this show? Oh, I think it's fine for me. I think it fits the series perfectly. Me too. I, and I hope Dracula shows up on the show. Oh, man. Who no. would you have voice Dracula? Well, I'm doing this... These Well, that's, I'm doing these three comics as a Star Trek radio theater. And... Uh, Dave Mater, cousin Dave, basically cast himself. He campaigned for the. Uh -huh. so oh, I see. So I guess I okay. would cast cousin Dave. I'll be interested to hear his uh, his Transylvanian accent. It'll be oh, great. We'll have a role for you. Woo! You'd have Excellent. been my second choice for Dracula. Oh, one of the Daves, I thought. Your alternate plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, All your right. Transylvanian accent comes off with a little bit more Russian. A little Russian in there. It's true. I'm not so Romanian as I no. used to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Channel, so, channel your Romanian. That's right. My inner Romanian. Uh, yeah. Next issue up. Star Trek 2. Star Trek in number my, 2. Written by Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, and art by Oleg Chudakov, who didn't do the art on the last issue. The artist actually changed here. Oh, yeah. For sure it did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quite, quite good. I really like I like this Oleg Chudakov. So I don't know his work, but I really like it, his work. No, it's a good movie. style. It's a real good style. So we uh, begin aboard the cover the Theseus. First, the cover I... Covers. Oh, cover's beautiful. Love oh, that. Those are my boys yeah. right there. Like that's it. Right the boys there. are back in town right here. That's nice. Those are my those are my Trek characters. Right there. <laughs> hey, Garrick, of course. Garrick's our spirit. Well, animal, sure. But... So good first page. We get Cisco. Uh, I think that is Crusher right there, and Data all in one page. Very nice. Yep. Uh, he's concerned. 
Uh, Cisco's concerned. His memories of what the founders shared with him are fading by the moment. Uh, he's glad to have them with him, but he's come back to somewhere else. Well, hold on uh, one second. Let's do a quick, quick recap. On the first issue, oh, Cisco's right. back. Um, he's been sent on the prophet because somebody's destroying godlike figures like crystalline entities. Yes. They destroyed all the crystalline entity. They lured them all into one place and like destroyed them all. That's yeah. super sad. Like the I freaking cried yeah, when they brutal. killed the one crystalline entity and now they go and kill them all. If that was on the screen with like sound and vibrations, oh my god, I'd still be crying. It'd but, be brutal. Uh, be brutal. So you know what? I like yeah. that they added this like time crunch of the fact that everything they've shared with him is fading because otherwise I I would be too mad that he didn't wait to see Cassidy and and Sarah, his new mm -hmm. daughter, mm -hmm. that he has never met. As someone with a young daughter sure. myself, you wait. You wait to see your daughter or you go to You her. feel the pressure but, in a whole different way, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um but uh so that the fact that that's there, that makes sense. He's like, they're still on their way. I'll go finish my mm -hmm. thing and then go meet my family. Because mm -hmm. I, I added the first issue to the headcanon tentatively. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, mm -hmm. you did not, and neither did Cousin Dave. But mm -hmm. I, 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 I still think this story can win you guys over. We'll see. We'll see. So one of some of my favorite lines from the first page here. Deep Space Nine was a family, but these people... They're skeptical at best. They're yeah. a means to an end. At worst, they're a panopticon, uh, which is a that's, fascinating that's way Picard to describe this potential crew. Oh, absolutely. He's like, Cisco, you're a dude who's super driven by, like, crazy... <laughs> Visions, ecstatic, uh, you know, experience. And emotions and all these things. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. You need a data. Yeah, a day could be real handy. So where they go is to look for an old friend. Indeed. Oh, I love all this stuff, man. I got to say, I like this issue a lot. I like what's happening with the Klingons here. Mm -hmm. uh, you answered a so lot of the questions I've been wondering that have been left lingering in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was super curious. We'll get into it here in a second. I'm jumping yeah. Bit, but I was I was super curious on at the end of DS9 what the Martok Emperor KLS relationship would be like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if if Boar looked down upon Martok, you better believe Kalos does. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're standing in front of something called the Imperial Spire. It's been built a little ways away from uh the bridge capital three, city uh, exactly oh i'm glad we got to see that again man i, I like that yeah uh i like the that that again issue. so we're right the review of the klingon issue it was you see where we are here we're right yeah. on this overlook in that town where he fought three war bands away they just moved the capital there Basically, yeah, they've, they've sort of moved Kalis's seat there yeah. so that he's far away from the council or relatively far from the council. He's likely uh, made enemies of the council. Indeed. And so we find a wonderful picture he of Kalis here. Kalis, the unforgettable. Yeah. Uh, and we get a good picture uh, or a quick sketch. Quick sketch of the governmental structure. 
So we run at the top, Emperor Kalos II, who is in some ways a figurehead, although he's growing into the sense of his own legend. This is kind of the sense of what's happening here. And then directly like beneath doing, that... Doing that as well and sort of forgetting that he's... Yes. Like they're, they're, they're sort of embracing him over time. Yeah. And you can hear it in the way that Worf speaks about him, right? In a way, he's like, you know, he talks about these things and he says, yes, you know, you can ask him. Uh, it is said by that him. Monster, if indeed he's become a monster, because yeah, Aelus didn't believe the people would ever follow him. He's like, I'm just a nope. clone. Like they shouldn't and won't follow me. Worf's just like, oh no, but they will. It, it... Uh, no, like this is Worf's political vision coming yeah, to a weird is... fruition years later. Yeah, he's like Aelus um, and Martok, the two guys he appointed. Like he's the real leader of the Klingon here, in a yeah, weird yeah, way, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, that's true. He's kind of the 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 emperor and chancellor maker. So yeah, yeah, emperor, chancellor, high council, then federation ambassador. Beautifully, they do a lovely diplomatic caution Just note Worf. here. He's he's that's the right. Worf's the federation ambassador. Despite their advanced space faring technology, the Klingons are still known to settle command and diplomatic disputes with archaic duels and other blood rights. This year alone, eleven Klingon starship commanders have been killed and supplanted by their subordinates. This is historically speaking, a low number. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let your bat let's do the talking. That's right. Uh, so, here we learn that the Andorian on Cisco's crew knows how to speak Klingon. Yeah. Probably did better in remedial oh. Klingon spelling than my relative Huxley. Do you, do you see, her last name is Sato. Yeah. Now, is she a descendant of Hoshi Sato, hence her, like, being such a great linguist? Well, this is what I wonder, eh? You know? I think it'd be fascinating. I think that's what's Uh, going on there. Another thing she's on this issue. Well, the other thing is, you know, over the generations, how many of these species could mix together to produce a very unique individual? Since we know with the progenitors and the other four running species that these are all related species at some right. level, you know? Right. Which I like that how it explains how these species can, and some of them mm-hmm. can't, like, or there's like, yeah. a lot of difficulty. But... Uh, well, you're not going to make it with a Tholia like, very easily. It's like Daniels, like Daniels on Enterprise, who comes from the future. Like, he's a bunch of stuff. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's got, like, Klingon and Vulcan and human and all kinds of stuff. So, like... Yeah, that yeah. would be probably like most people. A lot of people, yeah. 29th century when where Daniels comes from. Yeah, I suspect so, eh? Let alone whatever it is, the 32nd century where the uh, unless, discovery ends yeah. up, you know? Unless you happen to be living on like one of the home planets. Like if you and your father and your mother and their parents all grew up. Oh, there, sure. Like maybe you're still mostly human. Probably mostly, yeah. Uh, so what they seek is a course yeah. and permission to go to a legendary world called Sarkadesh to see the shapers of Sarkadesh. The now these, uh, these shapers were an interesting concept and it kind of, mm-hmm. see this, I, here's a, I like this issue a lot, Dave. Um, cause I always wondered, like, they've talked about how the Klingons have somewhat of a science class, but they're not supported, mm-hmm. like, financially or, like, culturally or anything at all. Not in so, huge like, ways, how, no. So 
So did the Klingons just steal all their technology? Because they're still one of the most technologically advanced races out there. So it's like, yeah. the fact that these like shapers exist like kind of answers some of that for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we also, I remember in an episode of Enterprise again, I remember seeing, uh, there's a conversation that's either between Bolana and somebody else, or not Bolana, um, Cripes. Um, oh. I forget who, yeah, it might be. Uh, but they're having a conversation and he says, you know, our culture wasn't always like this. We used to have poets and farmers oh. and all sorts of things. That but was Antac. Ah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, He makes a beautiful point that their culture changed relatively recently due to expansionary pressures, right? Uh, And the warrior class just becoming like the cool thing, all the young people. Yeah. So it really may only be over the last few hundred years that their technological progress has slowly begun to stall out, right? Other than in fits and spurts when they really need to develop something. So, uh, Sargadesh is... is, uh, world that's reputed to be able to build anything for anyone how they could conquer the empire but they wouldn't in exchange for peace in their space uh never to be touched again see that's perfect that's what the founders should have done yeah no kidding eh yeah but they chose a very different just leave us alone yeah yeah uh so cisco claims they've broken this treaty with the Klingons, that they've given a weapon to somebody else that has been able to discover or to destroy the crystalline entities. Oh, Kalis. He's Kalis, all right. Oh, yeah. Kalis says, no. No. With a grin on his face, now go. No. Uh, So, what they decide to do is pick a giant fight with the Klingon Empire and drive to the planet of Sarkadesh. Uh, Tom Paris is not sanguine about this thought. Uh, Worf comes along Tells with him because he feels... Exactly. <laughs> um, Worf sticks around on the bridge of the Theseus as Data and uh, Cisco, uh, Crusher and our Andorian friend Miss Sato, Sato come down here, and we get this lovely. Which was interesting because he was going to take War first, because we, you know, every all captains are used to Worf being their security guy. Indeed, protect me on the planet. But um, was it Data who said, "Is actually, I have to go with you." And if Klingon show up, yeah. War should be here to talk to them anyway. Yeah. Uh, good old Data, making a good point. So this yeah. lovely spread page here. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. I yeah, love the stuff in the background. Uh, it's very classic animated series style backgrounds there. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, these are interesting creatures, right? They're planning and they're angry that people have set foot upon Holy Sarkadesh. Uh, up on board, Worf is saying today is a good day to die, which again, Tom Paris does not like at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, so not Tom Paris, <laughs> yeah. he's married to a Klingon, but not a very yeah. Klingon Klingon. 
Well, yeah. Not as I ready think, to uh, die as a wharf. No, Bolana Torres would also be saying, let's get out of here, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I love that, though. Every time he says that, that's like in the first Contact movie. Perhaps the day is a good day to die. And they just like pan to the, 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 the con officer. And he's just like, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, what's going on? How is this guy a captain in Starfleet? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Speed. Uh, down on the planet, they managed to convince the uh, shapers, shapers yeah. that uh, they're not the same creatures who came before. Uh, and that they need to do something different, but they know that Cisco is the emissary. They don't like to have an agent of those yeah, creatures the on their world, yeah. right? They know the prophets, and they do not care for them, as far as they can. I can tell. They find they that certainly don't want they're to... likely of a very old race, like the Q and the founders and stuff. That's what I'm thinking, right? There were probably this. There was probably this initial community of of species that have kind of faded to the background for whatever reasons or become more prominent like the founders but like it's interesting that that see there's a lot in this issue there's a lot yeah there's a lot of world building going on that way for sure mm -hmm. um so here we see uh, i was holding up the page we see a battle going on with uh the theseus and uh three or four or five or actually i think it's five klingon Vorchok-class cruisers on this page. And Worf can't fire at them. Yes, he says, whatever you do, do not fire. Marshal Uktok is a well-known braggart and a politician from a wealthy house. I like this. Uh, he is a coward. Like stay out of this. Yeah. And cowards fear what they cannot understand. Yeah. So he says, Ensign Talir are both. And they're timid in small groups. Like they, like yeah. Talico says about the... the... Cardassians. It's like they're yeah, precisely, right? Timid in small groups. Yeah. Uh, so right, he says, "Do we not have a board here? A uh, what is it? A system scanner? Uh, they need something weird that like the sensors. Oh, here it is. Yeah, an environmental compensation translate. system capable of withstanding the gravitational forces of a neutron star." Warch says, "Overload it." Yeah. Uh, so the Klingons have no this idea what this good, is. This is such a good wharf issue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Talir is like not sure why they're going to do this. Scotty makes uh, he gets it a point. He's he like, says, "Oh, I've dealt with Klingons, lady. Yeah, we Vulcan, a James Kirk special." Yeah. <laughs> so they redirect their fire. Down on the planet, these dudes are about to unmake them when Picard's bet comes good. Yeah. Data figures out the way out of here. Indeed. Says, you believe you are destroying lesser life forms, but my captain and his crew are your peers. Observe me, Shaper. See me for what I am. I am a synthetic intelligence, android-classified life form within the top 2% out of intelligent beings in the universe, at least within the current probability curve. I like that statistic, too. That was interesting. Yeah. Top 2% in the universe. Yeah, that's crazy high. That's like yeah. the binaries. And, it's probably like him in the binaries. Right? 
and I was made by a mortal, by a human specifically, he says. Uh, <laughs> I understand how one can undervalue them. They are short-lived and limited. Their information processing can be disappointing at the best of times. <laughs> oh, shit. I feel that every day. Oh, man. <laughs> My yeah. information processing is disappointing at the best of times. I hear uh, Yeah. He says, this should be offensive to all you hold dear that these things are going around destroying stuff in the galaxy. Yeah. What we seek is its unmaking. And here, a beautiful thing he says, here on Holy Sarkadesh, where all things are made. Now he's a bit full of shit. Really, what's more accurate is Nuni and Sung is maybe one of their peers. But, yeah, but like, not all of humanity. <laughs> you know, unless you're going with the whole, you know, collective. Well, in that sense, I think, you know, we that they push for in Starfleet and that sort of thing. But Yeah, but we could take what uh, Boimler says about Mariner seeing something in him that he wasn't at yet and apply that to much of humanity i think in, in certainly in starfleet's estimation yeah. so they're heading away the uh planets have or the 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 shapers have uh, decided not to kill them uh wharf decides to come back to starfleet yeah. and he's joining yeah. for the mission i think Good old Worf. He's done with his time as ambassador. Spoiler He's, alert, uh, though, that I'll talk about in a minute that you'll be interested to hear, Dave. Okay. So we see down here that there's one last thing that's been delivered. We're going to need to see where that leads. Okay, so here's the thing. All right. There's a new Star Trek comic coming out soon. Oh, yeah. And, and let's just say this nice little alliance and old friends coming back together between Cisco and Worf is not going to be long lived. They're Ooh. gonna they're gonna they're gonna get super pissed at each other probably in the next issue, I would guess. Uh huh. Worf, Worf is splitting off into to lead his own comic series. Oh. In which in which he commands the Defiant. The Defiant Dave, and has his own team that includes Lore what? and 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 Belana Torres, which is also crazy oh. because Tom is on Cisco's team. Yeah, and Worf's gonna split off from Cisco and take Belana with him, and I would love to see Worf and Belana together. So I'm looking forward to that. Comic. Well. Oh, it, may be, it may be called Star Trek Defiant, but that's coming out soon. Mm -hmm. We'll be covering that on the Treckle Trunk as well because it's been. Oh, that'll story. be interesting. They're going to. Right on. Like a, a, a wider story. set of things. Yeah. Cool. So, interesting. Indeed. Spoiler alert there. but So, Dave. So, now. I'm going to come out and say it. This is kind of. A, this issue kind of uh, cemented my head cannon from the first issue i was a little iffy on the yeah. first issue but I, I i could sense a bit of uh potential because it just it jumped right into it a little fast the first issue mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're just like boom all this crazy stuff's happening and it's just like okay but there was so much world building in this issue and it answered a lot of things for me that i wanted to know and i like the way it handled a lot of it i like that kls is kind of becoming this 
you know, a bit of a tyrant. Like interesting, the, the, eh? the, the Kalos that we yeah. saw in that Klingon issue that we love so much would probably become that. He wouldn't want to take answers from the council or anything like that. He's just like, because he believes he's the true Klingon and that people need mm-hmm. to truly Klingon. And the council is mm-hmm. not truly Klingon. That that, that council is more Ferengi and Romulan than anything. Oh you know, my goodness. The Klingon yeah. councils is sketchy as anything. <laughs> oh man. No, it is it is uh pretty pretty darn mired in dirty politics, that's for sure. Yeah, it's like yeah. Jed Zia says to Worf, it's like well, who's the last member of the council you've actually respected? And he's just like mm. <laughs> I refuse to answer that question. Yeah, I, exactly. That's culturally <laughs> insensitive. How dare you? Um, no, I like where this is going. It even cleaned mm-hmm. up a little bit of the Cisco stuff for me that it was troubling me from the last issue. I'm digging it. I'm going head canning. Right on. I'm. I still. I'm not entirely on head canning yet. I like the story a lot, uh, and certainly for um like a three issue or run or whatever it may turn out to be oh it's it'll be it's going to be longer than that this you is think it's going to be longer title this is the flag uh, right yeah or whatever this story is running i guess is really my point i'm interested to see where it goes because i uh, i like the story so far uh it's oh really yeah this could be a six issue story to fit perfectly in a trade like things sure go oh yeah issues. yeah yeah that would be just Five great six issues but, sure, sure. And then, then we see what happens with Cisco from there. I, I want to see him meet his family. I want to see him meet Sarah Cisco, you know. Yeah, no kidding. Don't rob, don't rob me of that. Yeah, no, no, no. That better that better be happening. Yeah. Uh yeah. But I see what you're saying, but you know, I, I have faith. I have faith that you'll get there. Sure. If, if the story I'm keeps going the way it's going. Because the first mm-hmm. issue of most comic series. Even like something I truly love, like X Men or Spider Man or something like that. The first issues of a new run are usually not very good. Yeah. They're trying to set up a lot of stuff, eh? The first issues are notoriously not good in comics. And Interesting. The, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm always ready for that. And for a first, so for a first issue, this one wasn't the last one wasn't so bad. For a first that's issue. really interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's a and difference. This second in, one in, uh, for me really, really yeah. delivers. The second mm-hmm. one really delivered. Well, certainly a much tighter issue than the first one. Yeah. Uh, I really like the art style as well, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the Klingon stuff. Honestly, I would have loved to see the artist from that issue. That the issue about Klingons uh, of just Star Trek would would have been great. But uh, the one with Kalis, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, wonder, I can't remember who does the art on that. Uh, Watch well, it be the same I, I guy, and I just it. didn't really notice. <laughs> uh, all right. On to our third issue here. Uh, I'm looking it up. All right. Why not? So our third is... You just continue. uh, Star Trek Trill. Another one shot. uh, Written by Jody Hauser with art by Hendry Prosecia, Rafael Perez, Granados. Um... Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely uh, issue, beautiful art, and one of the coolest things in it, right here, right off the top, you see a ship that is really not Starfleet. It's very cool. 
Very strange. Uh, yeah, really odd. So we're on Hesperides 1. Uh, Stardate 47802.1. Not the same artist. I just checked it out. There's Timothy Green. Oh, okay, right on. So Hesperides 1 uh, apparently is uh, Planet Starfleet came to decades ago. The artifacts there affected the crew's minds. So right from the first line, we know we're doing some kind of a expedition or an excavation or an investigation. Uh, our main character's name, this lady right here, is Vana. Her friend is Bessa. Uh, and this one planet... thing that's me about this issue is it it didn't. I mean, I guess it could be viewed as a good thing, but I don't mind a little fan service myself, like that last issue had with the Klingon stuff. But mm -hmm. it didn't tie into any of the Trill stuff we know. No, not at all. Any uh, the There's no reference of a Dax or a, 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 what? I can't remember her name now, but like, here's sure, sure. Life, you know that yeah. line or anything. Yeah. Uh, no, we don't see any of that. This is a this is a, a different tale, and and what we find uh, as we begin, they're looking around the ruins. Seeing signs of a sun god, maybe a fertility god, various things. Uh, Luckily, it doesn't slip into masks from TNG. How do you mean? I hate that episode, the one where Data oh, puts on all the yeah, masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right, of course. Uh, um, it doesn't descend into that lunacy. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like Vana is involved in some sort of. <clears throat> um, comparative paleo archaeology of some kind of religions or or or, or worship systems. Oh, right, yeah, that's interesting. She's interested in commonalities and worship across various species. Yeah, she, I like the line she says to her her companion there, where she's just like, "You may find this boring because it's the same stuff we find everywhere." Oh, yeah, that's what's interesting to me. The fact yeah, yeah. that these commonalities exist everywhere. Yeah, she's right. In short, the more sun gods, the better. <laughs> yeah, the more sun gods, the better. <laughs> you know, and it's an interesting thing, right? Because in that respect, it's a very, that kind of veneration as a basic intuition of the critical role that the star plays in the life of the planet and its ecosystems. You know, that's a pretty deep intuition for uh, a planetary based creature to have about that light, you know, and it's pretty fundamental. We had it a long time ago, I think, as humans, long before we were writing anything down, even. I think it's what first gets us looking up at the heavens and following stuff around and helps us get on boats and things, you know. Uh, it's, it's like a very primitive human. It, it it would have to be mind boggling to think that there's this thing there that's there, but you can't even look at it. <laughs> well, this is in like, fact. I mean, insane. It, that like it's 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 kind of hard for a, a less yeah. mind to kind of comprehend. Well, and e even for highly developed minds, it becomes a beautiful thing, right? Like Plato famously in the Phaedo uses a an analogy for his doctrine of ideas, um, which for anybody listening to this podcast, I've done a lot of study in classics, and for all of you, Plato is not a 
do a list. That's Descartes. Just forget all the rest of the bullshit that anybody tells you. Anyway, his doctrine of ideas, he talks about uh, looking, you know, the way you've got it, he says, look at, say, the sun in a pond to try and see what's going on. Or, you know, you can't look at an eclipse of the sun directly. You've got to look at it indirectly. He says, that's how my ideas work relative to the good. He says, right? You can't, you can't think that unitary first principle directly. It's prior to being and knowing. And you have to think it's, it's first uh, determinations, you know, almost beyond that, right? And that, those would be just barely thinkable. Uh, so yeah, I think you're right. Like from, from the times when we had really barely developed linguistic skills or, you know, uh, articulated conceptual abilities on up, this has been a fascinating thing for us, you know? Uh, yeah, like so she's got a real interesting mind, this character. You'd likely find fertility gods. They even comment on one. They're like, is that a yeah. fertility god? She's like, yeah, probably. And she's and like, good like eye. Exactly. Good gods of the harvest. Sure. Like that. You know, the, the basic. These fundamental principles in life, right? Yeah. God of water. Absolutely. And, you know, and in and, and, and Star Trek, there's lots of ways that we see that those become incorporated later on in cultures, right? Like the Vulcans saying, those gods are the voices of our intuitions and impulses and deep psychological structures in us you know you could call those the gods or the klingons you say well psh, they couldn't compete with the klingon arts we just got rid of those things <laughs> and they were a bit malevolent it was best that they that's right they were they weren't very good gods anyway um <laughs> so now here we come to the real crux of the story her friend wants to know more about her. She says, I'd heard the story that you were supposed to be joined. Vada says, the truth of the matter is I had applied to be an initiate. That's all. She wasn't officially rejected. I didn't really get on well with my dose and I could tell things weren't going on well. Didn't think she passed anyway, is what she gets it. Exactly. She says, why wouldn't I go and do this, which I love far more immediately then wait for the potential of a rejection notice. And that's what she did. So she says she has yet to regret it. Mm. Now, this is when everything shifts. Her uh, quarters, her sleep is interrupted in the night because the... A joined trill on the expedition with them has been severely injured and is going to die. Uh, the Symbiosis Commission gave them her name as a potential viable candidate, which means she says, huh, I passed after all. Uh, and that seems to happen, right? Like, Oh, I think there's probably a lot of programs that... Uh, like, yeah. like, Jad Zia thought Curzon hated her and was going to fail her. I mean, and he did, but it's because, yeah. like, you find out later he had a crush on her, and that's weird. But like, mm -hmm. You know, in some of these programs, you know, in those kind of institutions, people do get to think of themselves as a kind of elite, a kind of a chosen few, right? Uh, and some of the way that they were hazed into a thing will get passed down in the way that they want to haze you into it, even if they're trying to be nicer, you know? 
And I think that seems to be part of how that Trill uh, institution seems to work, unfortunately. Uh, so she does accept Turan Lors's symbiote, the Lors symbiote. Not one we've heard of before. And at first, she's got she's given a little time to uh, uh, heal up, to recuperate, and then tries to get back to the job relatively quickly. She finds like it's not kicking in, like she's just yeah. She's just like I sort of feel the same. In the, yeah, yeah. Like the the symbiote is withholding from her. That's right. She said the doctor said that while the symbiote recovers from the trauma, there may be repression of the previous hosts. It's not likely she's going to reject it or it would have happened by now, but then all of a sudden she's picking up an artifact and it's a baby. I love these hands. Really? Look at those hands and the arm. Aren't they great? Yeah, they They're are. clearly not her hands, right? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. They all got all that hair on the knuckles and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, almost drops the artifact. Oh, yeah, it really, like, that really mm. caught me right off the bat. I was like, what is going on in this picture? She has weirdly hairy hands. Yeah, yeah. very large, <laughs> hairy hands. Yeah. It's like, the, what is that? The Man Hands episode of Seinfeld. She's getting man hands. <laughs> What's the deal with that? Um... So, she begins slowly. Oh, that's... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, she begins to have more of these episodes over the days. Thinks she's eating gah when she's not at yeah. one point. Uh, getting visions from previous uh, hosts. Yeah. You know, so she's got these surface details, a traveler, a performer, an engineer with a young son, it looks like. Those, as it turns out, were his hands, if you look at them. Ah, uh, so Turan, clearly the first host along, or most recent host is the last one to come back. Yeah. So she feels, again, the symbiont feels anxious, afraid even, all the time. Except for these hallucinations, it won't let her in, and it won't tell her why. Her patience is running out. So here, moving around on the surface, something almost falls on top of them. She decides... She's not dealing with this enough, so decides to go back to the caves of, are they Malakath? The caves of Makala. Uh, she's worried something's wrong with the symbiote. That things might be disconnected. Her guide says time and trust are going to affect this healing. Nothing more. That's what's going to happen. So she's on her way home. Trying to uh, make sense of her experiences. What's happening for her. One thing she's I found about the 
construction of this issue is there's so mm -hmm. many flashes of things. It, it yes. sort of gets a little hard to follow at times. Occasionally, yeah, I found there was a bit of disorientation. Here, yeah. she's coming home to her apartment and finds a note on the door which says, you will never know peace. She doesn't know what's going on, why that might be left for her. She feels like he's losing her mind. All sorts of memories are coming back past her. All sorts of things. Trying to figure out what she did. She's deciding to go for a walk when all of a sudden she realizes she's being followed by this character here. She flees down an alley. Lost in her own mind again. That's a good shot. That's a great page, isn't it? I really like this page here. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and decides eventually to stop running. Yeah. Picks up a pipe, a, or something. A pipe and is getting ready to fight with it. it. It's go time. Indeed, it's go time. So, Lores, the fellow reveals himself. Yeah. And he's should do we say it's he's he's the baby. He's the baby. Yeah. Uh we're not sure how the end, I will say work. this the end of this issue again, because I have a kid now and everything hits me differently. The end of this issue hits kind of hard. Mm-hmm. And this is this is interesting. This is uh the child of lores and mm -hmm. uh his wife that i suspect it may be one life backward or a couple of lives backward it seems to be the oh it would have to be like very a young few. right yeah it's at least three or four because well we'll find out why yeah exactly right and so this fella he says are you really planning to attack me with that to finally finish the destruction of my family I'll kill you for the last time, he says. What he's angry about is we see here, he says, how could you reject her like that? She's your wife. But she's not anymore. Yeah. Right? He A moment we saw with Dax yeah. uh, uh, and her former spouse uh, is precisely what we're dealing with here uh someone who couldn't accept the loss yeah, of their spouse and knew they lived on in the uh in the host and it this broke child her. feels like it his family didn't need to be broken up it's just like no our family can continue because of this symbiont mm -hmm. but and uh yeah and he's 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 angry that uh, whatever happened, the father died, the symbiont was transferred, and his rage transfers with the symbiont every time. Uh, they 
continue to fight. It's we find out this this fella has been killing off this symbiont like several times. Like so that's how we know it's a few symbionts removed. Yeah. This symbiont has been like going from person to person every year or two. Yeah, like, we learned this a few pages. I should have mentioned that a few pages ago here. Yeah. Back where she's in the caves of uh Macau, I think is what they're called. Macala was it? Macala, yeah. Uh, so here it is. Uh, you're the fourth host of the Lord's symbiont. On the other three hosts all died terribly young. For those who hold to such superstitions, they might even consider the Lord's symbiont cursed. It's so uh, a new uh, symbiont, like a young one. Yes. And so what becomes clear is that Murad, the young, this fella, Murad. lost his father. Looks like to an illness, I'm guessing, uh, and that his father told him the truth of the symbiont that he would be, uh, he would live on, he would survive and, and be so contained his love for him, yes. And I will always love you, but you can't have a relationship with that person. That person will love you, but you can't have a relationship with them, essentially, which the which yeah, is not believe or like buy into that at all there must and be a lot of this sort of conflict within trill culture like i can only imagine that it's a really tough thing on families uh because the grief would be a very specific kind of um disenfranchised grief you know really interesting no, like uh, no closure it's like yeah yeah and so she tells him, Murad, no, your father does still love you. I love you, essentially. Yeah. And in the end, he's ready to do himself. Oh, see that in. shot. That shot That's kills a... me on the next page. On the next page. Right here? Oh, yeah. 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 This is so good. Yeah. This is really good. And it's like she's done yeah, a right association. Yep, yeah, she stops him in the, the, the father symbiote in her mind is just like thank you for saving my son you know yeah it's it's kind of a beautiful story i think i'm talking to you about it now i like it more like yeah the first time i read it through i'm like oh well this isn't quite as good as the klingon or the ferengi soul oh. issues that we read but this it's funny because you yeah this is my favorite of the three uh is yeah yeah my order was i really on one I really liked the Lower Decks episode. I liked the... Oh, Kling I thought you said it was the other way around. No, 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 no. My order was... I, I liked you, the... Oh, I thought you told me Lower Decks was <laughs> your favorite. We're running oh, backwards on each other. That's funny. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean... We had our order, and you're like, that's the order of my preference. Yeah, yeah, because Lower Decks was good. The, the Star Trek oh. number two, I like that even better than Lower Decks, but this one I like okay. best of all. Yeah. Oh man, you this was a great was story. Talking... Okay. Well, shit. You must have thought I was talking crazy during Lower Decks, <laughs> and I thought we were on the same page there. Might like, this is very interesting. The opposite, because I just love that whole Lower Decks comic run. Well, yeah, it's but, great. Yeah, but yeah. This Trill comic was good. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, 
those those I hope they keep doing a whole lot of those because they can just single issue yeah, species. Yeah, yeah, it's a great a idea for a comic series. That's, that's, that Bolian guy, right? the Bolian yeah. guy, could be the star. That Bolian guy. We yeah. love that Bolian guy. Oh, we here at Locutors of Trek. Whoever we is. love that Bolian guy. <laughs> okay, well, that's tell right. us then why why is this your favorite issue? Uh, well, one of the things that I've always loved about Star Trek is the whole notion of the Trill symbionts. The fact that these like lifetime hopping creatures that uh, keep growing and learning, but kind of start again as well every time. It's a really interesting um, metaphor for like the seasons of our own lives and how we sometimes have to work to integrate material from one time in our life into other times. You know, sometimes we find ourselves very different than we were a year or two or five ago. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you look back and you think, I might I hardly recognize you. myself, you know, you if I could look ahead. The person you were 20 years ago. No, I think <laughs> some things we want to carry with us, but some, we want to keep yeah. growing, right? Uh, and that I wouldn't recognize myself now if I saw myself 20 years ago isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just means that I am as incapable of scripting my life in the forward sense as anybody else is, right? And that's kind of the beauty of it. And this is one of the things I really loved about that. There was just a lot of really cool, conscious, unconscious, like thinking, feeling, uh, memory integration happening. Yeah, it was really, I liked it a lot. Yeah. For me, I think where it lost me a bit. And I... Talking like I say, I like it a lot more now. Talking about, I think I needed mm-hmm. to read this one twice. I just found it a bit disjointed. The first read through, it was just a bit difficult to follow, and like it's only by the end of it that I realized what was happening. I was kind of confused, and mm-hmm. then like, oh, 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 I see what's happening, and then like that last page kills me. And oh man, <laughs> yeah, but, like, yeah. Like, yeah, that last page is is great. Like I can't even, uh, I just can't like. And, like, it felt sort of like symbiote stuff and trill stuff we've seen before. But then again, yeah. when you get to the end, you feel you see where, where it's a little different. It's not quite the Curzon Dax and his ex-ish mm-hmm. or episode. It's not quite the one where Esri's haunted by the past lives. Like, it's a different take on that whole transfer of symbiote yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. I just, I guess, I guess, I just felt like the, the killer out to get them all thing seemed a bit cliche to me. It's really that last page that pulls the the last two pages, I guess. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Before uh, that, you're... I just wasn't quite with it, but it 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 does really it is a cohesive thing once you get to the end. So I yeah, see, it, I it, see it, why you're there's fond. yeah, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it would make a great. I agree uh, with you though. These one shots need to keep coming. Give us every species we've ever heard of. Give us a Zen Kathy one. Like, oh man, (laughs) I want to see a Ferengi issue. We have one. We've already already done it. Oh, is that the is that the future is female? Yeah, that's the Ferengi standalone. Oh, were they the first one? Oh man, we'll we'll cover uh, again on this show because we've only done it in audio only. Yeah, yeah. Show everybody that 
issue as well. Oh man, they did that. Oh man, they did that well. Yeah, that's. Well, uh, they did that one. Then they did the Klingon one, and now they've done this one. But we're obviously going to get a Vulcan one. Oh yeah. um, Kazinti would be be a Romulan one. Kazinti and Dorian would be awesome. Give me a friggin' um, a Zindi one. See what they're up to now. You know. Oh yeah, that'd be very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so head cannon or not? Oh, I'd love to see this as a short. That'd yeah. be wonderful. It would be a great as a as, as a short trek, I think. Or give us a, a follow up to what is her name? Lore, the lore symbiotes. Let us know where the lore oh, symbiote yeah. is now, or something like that. I'd love to see that. The lore symbiote, or even this Vana yeah. character. Yeah, um, she yeah, was head interesting. Cannon, head cannon for me as well. She could run into Vosh and get into trouble. It'd be great. Yeah, like who, who can't? <laughs> Vosh is trouble for anybody. She yeah. is. Let's get Vosh into that uh, into an adventure with that lower decks uh, Vosh type character. <laughs> I thought you meant into in, into into an adventure with Dracula. <laughs> no, he would know where some sweet antiques are. I bet. He might. He does have an awful lot of knowledge in that holographic head now. He does. Well, I guess that's the end of our Treckle Trunk for tonight. It is. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact us at locutorsoftrek at gmail.com. Did you know Locutors of Trek is a division of Live Long and Podcasts? We've been absorbed by my cousins. Into a collective. (laughs) And, And our now united empire. Our, yep. uh, our our United Federation of Podcasts, if you will. Our technological and audio significance was added to their own. It, it was, wasn't it? They were after yep. our, our technological uh, significance, yep. for sure. Yeah. Um, we are the little cutest of Trek. Check us out. We have audio podcasts. We do lots of things. We launch probes. They do. We, we do challenges. Vigorous probes. Yeah. Indeed, Kapla. Kapla is right. We just did a geek tall. We did trouble with trivia last night. Check that out as well. That was fun. Oh, how'd you do? Should I spoil it? Oh no, I'll watch it. I didn't I'll get tell to watch you it once we once we stop. All right, we'll leave right. the viewer in suspense. You'll be in the next one though, because we're 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 trying to round up a competition for cousin Dave. All right. So, we need to try I'll do what I can. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that guy's a beast. Well, oh, you did man. all right here. That's but... true. I didn't do bad in the Gictal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think Galrod really likes you. Well, you know, after I suggested we slay the council, he seemed to really perk up. That's know? true. He really wound <laughs> up on you. After that. That. Cousin Dave did not want to slay the council. <sighs> Galrod no. was very confused. He was super diplomatic, very Starfleet about it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, live long the podcast. There we all are. There's Dave. Look at him smiling with his phaser. There, what are you doing? There? I know. I'm the only one who gets a phaser. I'm very know, happy. You're pretty happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the command division. Uh, where they do the episode reviews. They're over there doing that right oh, now. Oh yeah. Um, they're they're reviewing uh the first uh, Zindi episode actually. Oh, nice. Right now on Enterprise at 8. Check out the Ops Division, which is Star Trek Radio Theater. We're doing Star Trek 5. I play Cybok on Friday. 
And then we'll be doing uh, this Lower Decks issue, three issues. So nice. We'll make a radio theater out of that. Um, nice. Dave will not be Dracula. Cousin Dave will. But Dave will be somebody. Um, and check out our Science Division. That's basically where we launch probes, do geek talks, yeah. do trouble with trivia. And then there's, of course, our little side, little Cures of Trek Division. Where That's we, true. We, Dave and I talk deep about things, Star Trek. And Yes. And, and do this, Trekle Trunk. That's true. Talk deep about yeah. comics, too. Also, check out X-Men, the X-Men Anime Review Show, my X-Men show with Andre Mayette. We're interviewing Allison Seeley Smith, the voice of Storm, tomorrow. Oh, starting to get know. nervous, but I'll deal with it. Um, Andre oh, threatened to not show up just to, like, compound my nerves. <laughs> what right. a helper. What a guy. <laughs> check out his podcast anyway, Graphic History. Funny podcast. guy. Funny, funny guy. Funny check guy. out his podcast. Also, check out Hold Up. That's me and Murphy's movie podcast. We're going to do Christmas movies. The Apartment, Gremlins, and uh, Tokyo Godfathers. I haven't watched that one yet, but I got some things to say about The Apartment. Let me tell you right now. In Gremlins, yeah. Gremlins is gorgeous. It's great. Well, check Gremlins. out Super Mater Brothers. Yeah. Okay. If you want to hear me go off on a rant, tune in to hear me talk about The Apartment on Wednesday. Um, Super Mater Brothers, they do your reality show reviews. They do they do that very well over there. Mm-hmm. KBBL podcast, it's my Simpsons podcast. We're three issues into that, or episodes into that now. That's been fun. That's been a good time. Uh, Murphy and me, uh, or no, me, Baker, and Francis talk about that. Uh, check out Trivial Debates. We should get you on Trivial Debates sometime, Dave. Love to. The Christmas one's coming up on Sunday. I'll be taking part in that. Cousin Dave's oh, the man. host. And also check Christmas out trivia. the Hellbound podcast with... Yeah, really. No, it's not trivia. It's debates. Oh! Yeah. Mithras is the original Christmas! Let's, let's fight about it. All right. You'll be sorry. I'm on Team, <laughs> I'm on team Saturnalia. Oh, Nice. Nice. I just want to get naked and stuff. <laughs> That's so wrong. It's ah. very Roman. <laughs> so so is. Uh, check out the Hellman podcast with Michael Chan and Alex Blackburn, and that's our federation. And uh, so check out all those things. You won't regret it. Any final thoughts? Well, the final word. I know that. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I think these are great comics. I hope they keep more coming. I hope they can find a way. Let's get the pressure on to keep Lower Decks coming because they're great. But apart from that, end transmission. Um.